nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer, and we are on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. Uh, In the last few weeks, it seems like the, the topic of communication in general and specifically um, inappropriate or improper communication has been coming much to the fore. And I think as we're heading for Christmas and all of the challenges and uh, nervousness that can happen when we get together with family members, um, this might be just a really good timing for this particular show. We're talking more specifically um, about how doctors and nurses and caregivers in general for healthcare, how um, they impact and perhaps their stress is communicated to patients uh, that they are working with. And so uh, basically, uh, Ray Beefus is uh, an executive coach and experiential trainer that I met on LinkedIn. Uh, he shared a post of Dee McCarthy's which said, I love you. No, I might not know you, but if folk can hate for no good reason, I can love. And that really struck me. So I uh, actually thought I was responding to Dee and then realized um, that I was connecting with Ray. So we ended up connecting on the phone and had a wonderful conversation. Um, The discussion kind of led us to this whole idea of what we say and do as healthcare professionals and how it impacts on patients. So it reminded me of a surgery that I had after breaking seven bones in my left wrist from a fall. And I went to the hospital thinking, this is my territory. Why am I so nervous? Uh, Then I realized that it was not my territory to be the patient, to be at the mercy of, uh, while completely asleep, a whole army of people from pre-op to OR, to anesthesia, to PACU, people I didn't know who were dealing with all of their own issues coming into work. I started to relax when an older volunteer came over and listened to me rattle on nervously. She assured me that all the staff are very professional and will take care of me as though I was a relative. In the pre-op, everyone was so kind, gave me a warm blanket and a cotton ball of essential oil of lavender, and, but really, uh, even with those touches, what really relaxed me was hearing the positive, happy voices of staff in the hallway and realizing that this was a good day for them. I relaxed so much, they had to wake me up for my pre-op shot. Um, so it, it brings me to think about what is the patient experience like on a unit that is dysfunctional? Many of us have worked on such a unit and uh, maybe have some experiences with that. My guest today, Roy uh, Beavis, is um, here to discuss with me about this kind of uh, topic. And uh, as I said, Roy is an executive coach and experiential trainer. So, Roy, can you tell us, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Roy, Ray, can you tell us about yourself and how you came to this type of work? 
Well, I've always been interested in helping people, but as an experiential trainer and a coach, primarily an executive coach, I realized how we all have blind spots, and particularly even in the area of our strengths. We can take them too far. We can have an effect on people, whether it's our patients or our peers or coworkers or whoever, that we don't intend. And so all my clients, whether they're in healthcare or they're in business or government, are men and women who've begun to sense that uh, the way I deliver my skills is as important as the skills themselves. Mm-hmm. And that in many ways, uh, I can be my own worst enemy and um, hurt my own efforts to succeed, whether as a doctor, and as a nurse, as a CEO, or as a manager. And so that's my line of work, helping people uh, really move to their next level of effectiveness, of success, of fulfillment by examining their own behaviors and the effect of their behaviors on other people. And so this is a really a nationwide conversation in the healthcare industry where there is so much stress, where the complexities of government, technology, uh, business are all flowing into the river of healthcare. And it's turbulent. It's mm-hmm. very, very difficult. And uh, many uh, healthcare professionals, particularly on the doctor and nurse side, are drowning mm-hmm. in the stress of uh, all that's going on around them. And so I think within the healthcare industry, especially, there's quite a conversation, a dynamic conversation around doctors and nurses needing to address the stress in ways that really benefit the patients. And what kinds of things are you hearing them say? Uh, you're saying that well, there is a conversation that's going on. What specifically are they talking about? What are they most concerned with? And what kind of uh, solutions are they coming up with? Well, what I'm, what I'm hearing, Leanne, is that um, burnout, depression, and even uh, suicide mm-hmm. is epidemic in healthcare. That on the, the side of nurses, there are men and women wondering why I did, even got involved in this. Should I stay in this mm-hmm. this career I chose? Is it worth it? Um, am I able to do what I set out to do when I when I first went to school and wanted to make a positive difference? And so, uh, in the stress uh, due to, I mean, there are numbers of factors for nurses. It's um, one case, uh, the, the labor is stretched too thin. In another case, the, the hours are too long. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a, a problem with violence uh, in nursing, who, who would have guessed? Um, but in, in all of this, uh, when uh, nurses are hurt, in particular, when nurses are um, made ineffective, the patient suffers. Nurses are on the front line of compassionate mm-hmm. care, and when their their bandwidth is sufficiently stretched that they're no longer able to do much more than survive, then the whole system suffers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely so. Uh, we used to think of it as being in the trenches uh, sometimes, and we would yeah. actually use that 
that uh, phraseology. And it felt like that a lot of times because we felt like we were at the front line, but we didn't always feel like the support behind us, those people who should be there to make the way clear, our managers, our administration, you know, the executives at the top of the chain, always even knew what it was we were doing, much less being able to know what to do to help make it better. So I know that you've worked with um, uh, healthcare executives, and are those the kinds of things they're asking about is how, how do they know how to help or what they're doing that actually makes it worse? Well, I think conversations are starting, and there are some glowing positive examples around the country. Um, in my own uh, city here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, one uh, healthcare system has just hired or placed a doctor in the CEO position, which is a, a wonderful resource to yeah. have a doctor there rather than simply an administrator. In another system, they promoted a woman to CEO, which is a big win because of the collaborative interests that women bring to the workplace, um, high value on listening. And so I do know that from here and there, people are listening. Uh, but part of the difficulty is complexity and the pressures um, the business pressures in particular. And so the solutions are complex and they're slow, but the conversation matters. And I, I really value what you're doing is bringing the conversation to the fore. And in my reading and my own personal experience, I think it's time for nurses, especially because they are on the front lines of this battle with sickness but also this battle within the system just for survival. They're on the front lines. And so they see things, they hear things, they can decide things and communicate things that everybody upline from the nursing directors themselves to the doctors to the administrators. Everybody needs to hear about the nurse's experience because the nurse's experience directly impacts the patient experience. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that, one of the correlations I've seen is that when nurses are not doing well, patient experience declines Mm -hmm. and patients complain. Exactly. And there's a conundrum with that because um, many of the older nurses that are still working were trained originally. I was trained uh, that when a it, with a very hierarchical kind of um, uh, status, and definitely the doctors at the top, administrators, etc., maybe slightly under that, and nurses quite closer to the bottom. And we were literally told if a doctor walked onto the unit to get up, give, you know, stand up anyway, but if they're looking for a chair, to give up your chair um, to that doctor. And I remember one experience with a little tiny nurse in a little tiny hospital I was working with in, in uh, Wisconsin. And we had all had a horrendous shift. And the doctor walked in and kind of looked around like, who's going to give me your seat? And she looked up at him and she said, if you think after the night we've had, any of us are going to get up and give you their chair, you're not going to see that happen. So he was like, oh, no, no, no problem. And so he found his own chair and and went on from there. But I mean, every nurse on the unit was just aghast that somebody would do it. And it was this little tiny person less than five feet tall 
um, she just had fire and brimstone as she was looking at the guy, uh, you know, fire was coming out of her eyes and there was no question. But for the most part, nurses still hold, uh, I'm hoping that's changing as this new generation is coming in with partly more experience or not even experience, but more um uh, training and education around things like being the professional. What does that look like as opposed to just somebody who takes orders and follows what's said? So um, any thoughts on that? How do, how do nurses change that dynamic that we don't speak up? We are not going to be listened to for one thing, but we don't have the power to speak about our issues. Well, I think the good news is that um, the culture, organizational culture across America is is changing. And I know you have international listeners, so this may not apply everywhere. But here in uh, North America, the healthiest organizations, bar none, you know, so whether it's manufacturing or it's uh, business or it's healthcare or government are realizing that the managerial practices of the 19th century are no longer working. In the, in mm-hmm. the 19th century, it was completely hierarchical. You stand mm-hmm. here, you do your job, we'll give you a paycheck. Mm-hmm. But in the changing of culture and the changing of generations, I can tell you without a doubt that the healthiest organizations, including healthcare, are replacing parent-child styles of hierarchical leadership that is the doctor is the parent, the nurse is the child, they're replacing that with adult-to-adult collaborative relationships at work. Mm-hmm. And so um, any given nurse might be in a system or in a partnership that's challenging, but the con- conversation and the culture is changing. And what it means is that every nurse can be an informal leader. And it may start with building relationships with doctors that be, start as personal but become professional. It certainly starts with very direct conversations about what nurses see, experience, think, and propose as solutions. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this, the door is cracking open for nurses to speak up. Good. And doctors themselves are in enough trouble under enough pressure that mm-hmm. it may be that nurses who are trained in, in another generation are going to find doctors more open than they were in the past to hear suggestions and possible solutions from nurses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would get a mix of that. And, you know, over the 42 years that I have been a nurse, um, lots of changes in that, starting out in that very hierarchical type of thing and very uh, abusive um, language and, and communication from doctors, particularly to nurses, but also nurses with each other. Um, so what we kind of wanted to get to, too, was how that kind of negative uh, communication impacts on patients. So I'm thinking in terms of if anything changes that, it could be that it is going to impact the, the patients who want to come to your organization. Um, 
And, and I'm hoping that that will be enough for those who don't necessarily see it as just a given that human beings should be talking and interacting with each other positively. So um, uh, I'm kind of thinking in terms of where does it start? Is there something you said that this conversation is going on on a national level, and I'm going to bet international also, but does it start on one department? Does it start in a hospital or in a hospital chain? Um, what what does if, if I'm the person who's on a department that is really dysfunctional, what can I do other than walking away? Well, you need to know that this kind of situation isn't unique to nursing. It's true in manufacturing and business when anybody wants to lead the way and change. One of the best tools is to begin to form alliances, to begin to have conversations and talk about what is. And what is doesn't have to be a threat, but there must be somebody within reach who cares that I'm... I'm wearing out. I'm no longer enjoying my job. I'm starting to question whether or not I can really do in this this partnership or this floor or this team. I'm really starting to wonder if I can even do what I set out to do when I went to nursing school. Mm-hmm. And so one of the first, th- well, first things is simply to begin to form alliances. Who could be my ally? Another thing nurses can do is they can join committees or, yeah, I guess, committees, department mm-hmm. meetings where culture is being discussed, where policy is being discussed. There are usually nurses on those committees and those groups and those meetings that need to be heard. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are several positive things that can be done. But another thing that needs to be done is a nurse just needs to say enough. If it's a mm-hmm. doctor or if it's a peer, um, it's, it's legitimate to say, I've had enough. That's too far. Stop. And in a professional environment, that'll be respected. But especially as it's spoken without emotion, without a threat, just a strong woman or a clear man saying, stop, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. Stop, I can't, be, I can't be at my best in this environment, and I need to be my best. So one of the great conversations is just around what's happening inside of me when you treat me this way. Mm-hmm. When there's this much tension on the floor, when our team is just this, was this stressed out, Nurses can speak up without threatening anybody simply by describing what's going on inside of Mm -hmm. them. Just the facts. Just the facts. Yeah. Yeah. um, One of the challenges, again, it's it's kind of um, uh, a part of being a nurse, something like 80% of people who are attracted to healthcare in general, but specifically to nursing, uh, have that... uh, personality of deep feeling, deep compassion. And so many times, those of us that have that, we have a tendency um, to feel so strongly that we may not say anything until it has built up to a point where we're feeling like we're at a breaking point. And when we do speak, it comes out in emotion. 
And you had mentioned that, you know, it takes one strong person to stand up and say this is enough and here are the facts um, that connect to it. Um, and I think that's one reason why a lot of the women, women particularly in nursing, but it also is true of some men, um, just knowing that they feel so strongly about it that they don't feel like they can trust themselves to come forward with the the um, the fears and the frustration that they have. Right. Well, that's where my suggestion is to do it first with an ally. Yeah. Form a conversation with a doctor you trust, another nurse or two that you trust. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, doctors are in the same boat. Most doctors mm-hmm. get into this, not for the money, but because they truly care about helping people. Right. And so... One of the reasons you have burnout rather than homicides, uh, you have burnout is that caring people do tend to internalize all this stress Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. until it consumes them. Um, So it's not just a male problem or a female problem. It's not just nurses. It's doctors. But you're right. It is a tendency in the caring professions to internalize stress and pain until we explode with grief, with anger, whatever it is. So the the real skill here for anybody who wants to lead the way is to begin to talk about what's going on inside of me before I'm ready to blow. Right. We're going to stop right here. I got so involved in the conversation, I completely forgot about our break. So uh, we're going to take that break now. And uh, when we come back, we can talk more about this whole idea of how to how to get it to change before it gets to be this strong. So we're talking about, uh, uh, I'm talking with Ray Beefus, and he is uh, an executive coach and experiential trainer. And we're talking about how the impact of stress for doctors and nurses how it impacts patients and we'll be right back you're listening to voice america health and wellness now there's a new destination for video content voiceamerica.tv just like our radio channels and so much more voice america variety health and wellness business sports green talk power up motorsports and seventh wave network now have their own video channel components plus check out exclusive programming including movies music educational courses science and history current events and short features high definition premier quality programs available 24 7 voiceamerica.tv if you think you've seen online tv like this before let us surprise Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. 
If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900%, and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Casey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer, and um, I'm talking here today with Ray Bethis. He is uh, an executive coach and experiential trainer, um, and we're talking about how the stresses on doctors and nurses today and all caregivers, what kind of impact that has on patients. And Ray, you had said you had an experience that kind of shows um, how that, that impacts patients. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I was uh, about 30 years old when I ruptured a disc in my back. It was my first major surgery. And uh, today, I think it's probably an outpatient surgery or maybe it's uh, an overnight surgery. But 30 years ago, I went into the hospital for a week, if you can imagine that. Yeah, I can. (laughs) So I had had, uh, three nurses on three shifts as far as I remember, and I, I just remember two of them specifically, probably the first and second shift, and they were there every day. And uh, they interpreted the doctor's comments to me. They guided me through getting up and not falling. They helped me get to the toilet, to the shower. Um, it was really an incredible experience of compassionate care. And I, I I've just always described it as being the day when young men fell in love with nurses um, <laughs> because it was such a, a wonderful experience. And when people go into the hospital for surgery, strong, confident, powerful people mm-hmm. feel vulnerable, fearful, alone. Out of and control. Having, yeah, having a nurse be on the front lines of compassionate care just made the experience as positive as it could be and certainly made the healing process as effective as it could be. Mm -hmm. Um, I came across a a new book 
published just this year called The Evolved Executive by Heather Hansen Wickman. She came out of the uh, healthcare field. And uh, she's, she argues in her book, The Evolved Executive, when she writes for healthcare executives as well as business executives, that the future of work is love in action. And she's not talking about romance. She's talking about compassion, the feeling that we belong, that we're valued, that we're trusted. And uh, thinking back on that early experience with a nurse um, or a couple nurses, I came to see that compassionate care really is love's voice and touch. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're not talking about love in any sappy sort of way, mm-hmm. but effective compassion at a moment in a person's life when it's most needed, when they feel mm-hmm. most vulnerable and alone in a strange environment. We'll fast forward uh, about uh, 20 years, and uh, one day I wake up and there's blood in my urine. Mm. So I go in for a physical or a checkup, and uh, in, instead of meeting a doctor or a nurse, I meet a tech. Mm-hmm. And uh, being helpful, the tech tells me it could be uh, half a dozen different quite serious things, including uh, bladder cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, in the process of meeting all kinds of professionals, uh, it turned out to be a kidney stone. Um, but I never actually saw the doctor after the, um, the stone was blasted and I was sent home. It was all done with a fast series of rotating nurses, residents, techs, mm-hmm. and nobody closed the loop on the possibility of bladder cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you went home you know, with that theory out there? I did. Well, certain mm-hmm. questions. And uh, so all kinds of things had been shared, but nobody had been there in the whole process of, of several days and multiple engagements. Nobody had been there to close the loop the way 30 years earlier a nurse would have done, mm-hmm. at least in my experience. And so as I talk to different people today, um, certainly in our city, when somebody has serious um, surgery with serious recovery, it's almost um, common knowledge that you need to have a family representative or advocate there with you 24-7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that family advocate is basically providing the service that a, a nurse used to do 20, 30 years ago. Exactly. And yeah, uh, uh, it's frightening. So the, right. the difference is the difference is frightening if you're the patient. Mm-hmm. It's um, as you were talking about, you know, how quickly you were kind of moved through that process, and nobody taking the responsibility to actually listen to you and your concerns, etc., or even intuit what you might be afraid of, and being able to address that. It reminded me of the the show with Lucille Ball where she's trying to uh, uh, package up uh, uh, chocolates on a conveyor belt and uh, finally just becoming so overwhelmed can't possibly deal with all of it. And that is, I think, really true, how patients feel now that they're just being sort of uh, ushered through. They end up having to repeat what uh, their situation is to a, a whole series of people 
that it's like nobody has reported to each other and each person is coming in cold, the person to draw your blood, the person to do an EKG, the person, you know, all these different people are moving in and out, but there's nobody, like you said, that ties the whole thing together. Um, What kinds of things did Heather talk about in there to create that? Did she give some ideas on how to help people understand that, um, that compassion has to be palpable. Well, she argues, and she's talking primarily to executives about how the change, the culture is changing, how organizations are beginning to change, mm-hmm. and how to stay, com- how staying committed to a hierarchical, um, condescending, and demeaning sort of style of communication and leadership is hurting us. And as you said, the generations are changing. Younger generations are going to avoid industries, including healthcare industries that are seen as abusive mm-hmm. and no longer opening the door to the kinds of purpose and compassion that people you know, go into nursing to provide. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she's arguing primarily with executives who feel caught not only do people in in the system feel caught like nurses but even executives are stretched very thin and under a great deal of stress to know where to begin and how to begin Uh, and so um, again there's opportunity for nurses to be informal leaders by just speaking up by forming partnerships with doctors that may be personal and professional, where they, they ask how the doctor's doing. They ask what the doctor's challenges are, and they share in that conversation so that there's a transparency across the system. Um, but believe me, some nurses are, are, are leaving their careers mm-hmm. because they don't, see, they don't see the opportunities, and that's a yeah. loss for, for them for the patients, for the whole system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, the way forward is risky for nurses, but it is to work the conversation from their end while executives work the conversation from their end mm-hmm. and doctors in the middle participate in the conversation um, as real players who are under a tremendous amount of stress and are going through the same kinds of issues. I came across a wonderful illustration of a difference a nurse made about um, nine years ago. Jonathan Bartels is a, is a male nurse. Uh, he's a palliative nurse at the University of Virginia's healthcare system in Charlottesville. And he noticed the stress that doctors and nurses were under, even when a patient died. Let's say they were trying to resuscitate a patient and the patient died. It was a tendency just to keep moving, move on to the next case, move on to the paperwork, just move on, even in a moment of uh, life ending. And uh, he knew it was hard on the, the doctors and nurses just to keep moving as though nothing happened. And so he instituted what's been called the pause and it's now worldwide mm-hmm. where systems will actually uh, take a moment a minute in silence 
um, when a patient has died, just to step back from the operating table or the emergency room, uh, gurney, whatever it is, a moment of silence to honor life and to honor the deceased and his or her family. And that was all started by a nurse. And he was watching a chaplain um, say a prayer when a patient had died. Mm-hmm. And he thought, why couldn't we do this in a way that didn't have to be religious, but could be life-giving to the family, to the healthcare professionals, and really bring a very human moment back into the operating room or the emergency ward that's been lost in the busyness. And uh, I love that illustration because it was instituted by a nurse who saw this really as a loss uh, of of humanity in the midst of a, a place, a moment, and a team that was losing touch with its heart, mm-hmm. with its soul. And actually, that's a sign of an excellent nurse. Really, really excellent nurses know that as important as their technical skills and knowledge is, it is that ability to be compassionate, to be able to see beyond what's being said or what's being done by a patient or other people around, and to be able to have the courage to step in and say, we need to... We need to do something right now that it addresses the feelings everybody has. Um, you know, um, when I think about an experience I had that's very similar to this or related to this, um, I was a labor and delivery um, nurse and I was in charge of the, the department. Uh, we had a patient that came in with an amniotic embolus. And that's a very rare thing that happens, but when it happens, it's devastating because it's basically the placenta has sucked up the amniotic fluid, which contains fingernails and hair and and all kinds of uh, stuff that has uh, come off of the baby. And it's um, uh, sucked into the mother's body and goes all the way through her body until it stops somewhere. And that is an embolus and can stop in the heart and the lung and the brain in any number of places. And within minutes from it happening, the mother is dead. I mean, dead and no resuscitation. Um, So being able, one, to recognize what has happened and realize that you still have another patient, a baby, that within minutes a decision has to be made to take that mother in to have a cesarean section and then you're dealing with a, a father or family that can't even take in what has happened much less be able to make such a decision um, we had that happen and ended up it, it involved a lot of people um, there was an uh, obstetrician that happened to be sleeping there at the time he it was not his patient and I really just pulled him out of the chair and said we need you and um, many other people around the departments, people that came and drew blood, people that came up from the operating room to uh, set up the operating room and do the cesarean emergency, um, people from all over the hospital that were in- impacted by this experience. And as soon as it was done, we were able to um, have the baby born alive. Uh, unfortunately, it died about a week later. But... Um, you know, just having to try to deal with this family and deal with 
our own feelings and what did I do wrong or what, you know, what should I have seen, those kinds of feelings that we have. So I pulled everybody together that I could get together at the end of the shift and, and had everybody just say, what was your experience with this? And uh, we had announced, you know, basically gotten that message around. So we had people from all over the hospital that came um, who had had either peripheral experience with it or something more more deeply connected. And it was um, um, mediated by one of our uh, chaplains. And people were so grateful after that. And in fact, because we felt like... Um, it wasn't done in one session. We set up more sessions and each one there would be less people, fewer people coming to it until we really felt like everybody had had dealt with it, had, you know, um, come to whatever their particular needs were and helped each other with it. it. It made a huge impact and a change in how we interacted with each other on the unit. So I can see where just, you know, one critical situation that could um, divide an entire hospital instead by bringing people together and actually talking about it 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 created a whole new way of interacting so is that what you're talking about is that what you're thinking of that's exactly what i'm talking about and i just want to acknowledge your courage and uh your clarity in using the moment and uh, I do believe that that's where your, your own example is what nurses everywhere can begin to do in ones and twos and threes and fours is to notice in the moment the compassion or lack of compassion, uh, life and love, um, human decency and awareness, and speak into it. I mean, we, we're so grateful for new technology. I mean, who, who's not grateful for the technology in America and healthcare today? We all are. We're all grateful for um, the big systems that are very, very efficient. But if we have to choose between that and having a human touch, mm-hmm. healthcare with a soul, that's a trade-off that we're just not comfortable in making. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Nurses need to just remind themselves, I am on the front lines of healthcare. Mm-hmm. I have eyes and ears. And uh, the system, the team needs to hear and, and mm-hmm. what I hear and see what I see. And that won't happen unless I take the risk to speak up yeah. and suggest or pull a doctor out of his chair. Or say, this isn't what I signed up for, or I don't sense any compassion in the room at the moment, or this is sucking the life out of me. Before it comes out in anger, before it comes out in in grief, be the person who goes first. So I just mm-hmm. want to acknowledge that, Leanne, as a wonderful example from an older generation nurse to a younger generation of nurses that that's needed now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it is very easy, especially when a lot of time and energy is put into training you about that technology and not as much permission is given to uh, taking the time, and it does take time to put the human touch into it. 
So we are going to go ahead and take a break here. Um, and then we will be back in just a couple of minutes. We're talking about the effect of doctors and nurses' stress on patients and um, on each other. So I am talking with Ray Beefus, and we will be back in just a couple of minutes. Thank you. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time opinions options answers voice america health and wellness you are listening to once a nurse always a nurse exploring the world of nursing with host leanne meyer to reach the program today please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. This is Leanne Meyer, and I'm here today with Ray Beefus, uh, who is an executive coach and experiential trainer. And um, we're talking today about the impact of stress uh, by caregivers on patients they care for. Um, 
And at this point, I guess, I would like to see if we could transition a little bit here. Um, Ray, you had talked about uh, the doorway to individual transformation is self-awareness. How am I contributing to my own burnout and the breakdowns in the system? And I think that uh, uh, goes directly to what I was just asking about. So many times you feel like a cog in a very large wheel and you don't see either how you're contributing to it or how you might be able to change it. So could you talk a little bit about that? Oh, I'd love to. Um, I, I'll just share a few points from Heather Whitman's book, The Evolved Executive. And uh, it's true that whether we're men or women, doctors or nurses, we all have blind sides. And we may, not, we may be moving so quickly under so much stress that we don't even realize how close we're becoming. We're coming to burning out or blowing up. And so uh, Heather Wickman just uh, gives these pieces of advice, which are great coaching pieces, to people like nurses who find themselves in a place they cannot long endure. Mm-hmm. And the first step is a, just a personal values audit. And values are the language of why. Why did I enter this career in the first place? Why am I going to work every day? Why am I frustrated? And why am I staying silent? And this conversation is best had with a partner, another nurse, a doctor, but just a personal values audit. Um, and it, it enables us to get clear and to identify priorities, things that we may be willing to take a risk over. But we need a why if we're going to go there. Next, uh, Whitman encourages a purpose discovery. What do I most want to accomplish with my life? And uh, one of the things I admire about you, Leanne, is that you are trying to make a difference in the lives of other nurses. And so unlike a meaningless cog in a big machine, every nurse is on the front lines and can be an informal leader, if not for themselves, then for the sake of the patients. If not for the patients, then for the sake of their fellow nurses. If not for the, uh, the, their fellow nurses, then for the next generation that's just starting in, in medical school or nursing school. Speak up. Do what you can. If your purpose is to be a change agent and a life giver, though you didn't sign up to be this, uh, the whole country, the whole system needs every nurse to begin the conversation. I absolutely agree. Yeah, a values audit, a purpose discovery. Uh, Whitman suggests just taking a close look at uh, a person's growing edge, like what parts of me are keeping me stuck? And maybe it's my disposition to care and to bleed for those who are hurting, but I probably need to develop my speaking up muscle, my uh, begin declaring what I see, what I need, Sometimes our strengths, if if they're out of balance with other strengths, can become weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So if a doctor or a nurse internalizes stress, 
to the point that they boil over or they burn out, they, they're, not, they're no longer being part of the solution. They're just taking themselves out of the game. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you mentioned just your growing edge, taking that risk in a moment where you clearly saw something needed to be done and nobody else was doing it. It certainly wasn't your job description. Uh, you weren't given any kind of a formal uh, invitation. You simply stepped up because you saw it. You felt it. And so I think every nurse can examine their own, his or her own growing edge and just take note. What, what part is keeping me stuck? What part of me is mm-hmm. keeping me stuck? Mm-hmm. A fourth step would be just the practice of mindfulness. And that, sometimes that sounds a little new agey, but it's, it's as simple as pausing to breathe. It's as simple as noticing what's going on, stepping back and noticing like you did in that situation. It's being willing to feel and it's deciding to take some step, just one step. Um, and so many times if we say, I don't know what to do, that's the truth. But we can ask ourselves, what's the first step? And simply take it. And that yeah. would be the last, the last note in this list. It's just the identification of a first step. What can I do here? And at the very least, I can tell people what's going on inside of me. At the very least, I can say, here's a possible solution. I think we might. I want to suggest. But just the identification of a first step in conversation. And so this takes tremendous courage. It takes real risking on the part of nurses. But I can tell you this, there has never been a better time to take a risk Then right now, when doctors are talking, executives are talking, nurses and even patients are talking, the the reason we're having a conversation is that this is a national conversation across America. Mm -hmm. And And I think beyond. We may not know, but I'm sure it's probably international. That well, well may be. And so I'm not on the inside of the system, but I read. And I'm old enough as a baby boomer to know that I'm going to spend more and more time in the years ahead, the decades ahead, in the system. Exactly. And so this is a personal issue to me. So when you invited me to be on the show, there was an instant yes inside of me. (laughs) I want to see nurses lead the way. Well, we are very close to the end here, Uh, so I very much want to thank you for coming on. Um, As you say, uh, healthcare is such a personal issue, and knowing that we can, in that moment uh, when we are so vulnerable, uh, be able to rely on the people that are around us is is really critical, and that means that each healthcare um, employee and and provider has got to do this, some of these steps that you have talked about. Um, one of the things you mentioned was that um, it, it's a risk, and the risk means that you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You cannot, um, you cannot uh, dictate to somebody else how they're going to react to whatever it is you're saying, but you can put it out there and hope 
that they will also open up. Um, if you continue to try and try and try and you're not getting a result or you feel like it's just going down the tubes, that's about the time when you have to say, this might not be the environment that I need to be in uh, to do this, this kind of work. So as we finish here, I do want to encourage and um, ask people to please give me a call, or uh, call, I guess you can't do that, but uh, uh, send my email, leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com, and let me know what your thoughts are about this and um, other conversations you might, might like to have on this topic, maybe experiences that you have had uh, that are similar to this, and what have you done that has worked. So I'm just going to throw that out to our listeners, and I am going to um, sign off. Uh, I do want to mention that the person that sort of started this off, Dee McCarthy, uh, is going to be on January 28th, and we will be talking to her. So she has done a lot of posting on LinkedIn regarding this whole idea of being the best person. Um, A lot of people are talking about operating at the top of our license. And that's what I think we need to do. Also, the top of our own individual personhood. So thank you so much. And um, we will return uh, with a live show again after the holidays. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.